Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah, live across the world on the Internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Buckle up, Buttercup. It's hump day, and uh, we have got a show for you today. Oh, man, it... um, well, I'm going to I'm going to attempt, I'm going to attempt. I'm going to attempt to lay down some hard truths here this morning and uh it uh, ought to be it ought to be an interesting it ought to be an interesting discussion. Let's put it that way. We're going to we're going to kind of take a look at the state of the state. The state of the state in the unvarnished truth as much as I mean yesterday we got our positivity segment from Chris Story our betterment. We felt all good about it. We want to talk about all this great stuff. And today, <clears throat> well, today you're going to get a little bit of, uh, of, of a dose of reality that here is, that is Alaska. And part of this is generated by some stats that I was reading yesterday and um, yesterday with Brad Keithley where we also get the verbal beatdown every week on the things that are kind of <clears throat> not great going on. Um, there was a discussion uh, and a mention of HB 194, which is the Executive Budget Act that's currently sitting in Ways and Means Committee as a potential solution for the budgeting process here in the state of Alaska. And so after the show, I got a chance to go out and read bits and pieces of it and some of the things in the sponsor statement is, um, well, let's just say it's a little sobering, the sponsor statement for this piece. Uh, And it caused me to go out and take a look at some other statistics around the state, some of which we've uh, touched on recently. Um, But I I decided that, you know, what we really need to do is that... The first step to fixing a problem is to acknowledge that you do, in fact, have a problem. Right? I mean, that's what they that's what they tell the alcoholics and the drug addicts is the first thing you have to admit is that there is a problem. And uh, I don't think that there is um, I don't think that there's a question that we have a problem here in the state of Alaska. Now, it's a there's a, a variety. There is a, a, a feast of problems, a plethora, a virtual, (laughs) it's a part, it's a part, it's a problem party. That's what we got. We got lots of problems here in the state of Alaska. And I don't know if this HB 194 is the solution, if it's part of the solution, uh, if it will even do anything at this point. We have come down the primrose path so far that I have to start asking questions about, uh, (laughs) What have I been doing with my life for the last 20 years? That's the question that I have to ask myself. 
as I go through and look at this. But um, so we're going to we're going to we're going to analyze the state of the state. We're going to we're going to look at those things and talk about where we are. And once we've kind of figured out where we are, maybe we can see maybe we can see how we get out of this issue. Well, I mean, we'll do our best. We will <clears throat> do our best to attempt to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and um, and and see what we can see what we can do. So it's um, oh man, it's a day. So we're going to talk about uh, so we're going to talk about that stuff. We're we're going to hit a couple headlines first here before we dive into the deep end, the depressing end of the pool. And it's not really depressing. I mean, I, I, I don't I hate to premise it like that because maybe it kind of sets us up for for failure or for you to go just why why do I want to bother to listen to this? Uh, but again, let me just reiterate that to acknowledge that you have a problem is the first step to fixing it. So let me just say that right uh, right you know right right at the right at the top of the thing here. Let's just talk about that. Uh, all right, but first let's take a look at um, let's take a look at some of the uh, some of the headlines. Hey, the ADN finally figured out that there was a problem at the port of Seattle. What is this day three? This is the third day that that this happened over the weekend, and in fact, they actually shut down the port on Sunday. And the Anchorage Daily News never won to. Never one not to come late to the party has finally written an article about the labor dispute on the West Coast causing the shutdown. Now, f- for its part, it does have a little bit more information than anything else out there. But again, I am surprised how many times that the uh, ADN has been scooped, so to speak, by you know little little blogs like uh, Must Read Alaska or The Landmine or Midnight Sun or some of these other ones that are just they seem to have their finger on the pulse of everything that's going on, and the ADN seems to be a day late and a dollar short, even though it is the paper of record for the state of Alaska. You know, it's supposed to be the paper for the state. Um, <clears throat> but uh, anyway, it uh, they finally they finally uh, wrote about it. Uh, nothing new in that, by the way, other than the fact that they do remind us that the boats that are arriving now. Uh, here in the state of Alaska, um, have been on the water for 10 to 14 days. So any slowdown that we see, any, any uh, you know, potential shelf shortages that you'll see in your grocery store, will probably, there's a delay, right? So there's a delay because it takes 10 to 14 days for them to transit the water. And so it'll probably be about 10 to 14 days before we start to see any kind of uh, before we start to see any kind of dip in that kind of stuff. But they all are out there, the calming voices of reason, reminding us that there's no need to panic. We have delays all the time. Don't worry about it. I mean, we are in today, what is this, day four now? Day four of the basically the shutdown of the, they haven't gone on strike yet. But apparently they might as well have, the, the according to the... Uh, CNBC story I read yesterday that uh, the, the the slowdown, the work slowdown, which I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out how does that. I don't know. I'm not part of a union. I haven't been. 
I've never been, you know, asked to, I've never decided that I'm going to go to work and just slow everything down to a crawl. So I just, I can't wrap my brain around that. That's not something that, it's not something that I'm equipped to handle. So, uh, but that's basically what's going on. I mean, they're not on strike, but they kind of are, right? I guess that's what a work slowdown is, where you show up to work and you basically take an eight-hour coffee break. Uh, you know, you move some stuff around on your desk and then move on or, you know, go hide behind a container somewhere and take a smoke break for eight hours. I don't know what you're doing. But uh, anyway, so we're day four of the slowdown slash strike. And uh, now the uh, now the Biden administration has gotten involved and the department, um, the secretary of labor is involved in the situation again. Uh, or, or is involved in the situation now, rather, to try and negotiate and keep the lines of communications open between the Pacific Maritime Association and the union. What, is, what does that do? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know if having the Biden administration in the middle of that is a good or a bad thing. I'm not there. But apparently this gal gets high ratings from both the she gets high ratings from both the uh, unions and from the business community. So maybe maybe she can be the voice of reason in the middle of all this. All I know is, is that uh, we are on the sticky end of the lollipop out at the end of the chain. So hopefully something gets taken care of. But the, the one thing that the ADN did remind us of is that uh, this is not an instantaneous thing. So if we are going to see any kind of shortages or emptiness on the shelves, it'll probably be about 10 days away from now. So plan accordingly is what I'm saying. I mean, this is a good time to check your, this is a good time to check your food storage to make sure you got your extra can of beans on the shelf or mac and cheese or whatever it is that you use on a daily basis. If you go to the store, make sure you buy two of whatever you need or maybe three. You know, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, so that was the first one. Uh, the other story, which it, it, we have heard nothing, but there's been nothing but trouble with rural connectivity to the Internet in this state. We have expended millions of I, I maybe I would be safe to say oh, in the overall probably billion of do, a billion dollars on internet connectivity and broadband connectivity in this state in a variety of places and um the people just keep wandering around like I don't know what we're going to do I don't know how we're going to do it and now the new the new uh, a trillion dollar infrastructure package has got more money for internet and all this kind of stuff and the answer is <clears throat> the answer is right now has come about and is in our faces now. And that answer, quite honestly, is the um, is the Elon Musk solution called Starlink, right? I mean, it's there are many Alaskans now reporting to using it. I have a Starlink unit. I haven't used it yet because I require a hundred percent uptime during the program. And because they only have about half the constellation of satellites that they're expecting to launch this summer, it can get it can drop out and be spotty. And I don't want to do that right now. But the plan is, is that after this summer, once they have all the uh, satellites up, 
I will have 100% uptime, and guess what? We'll be doing it on Starlink here on the program as well and be able to take it with me if I need to go wherever I want to go. But here in uh, in the state of Alaska, we've been basically creating a, a dependency-based economy for corporations like GCI and others who have uh, received millions of dollars to put in all this infrastructure and everything else. And yet the whole thing is super fragile. How do we know? Well, because the entire North Slope right now has no internet at all. Residents of uh, a half a dozen communities up on the North Slope have uh, been experiencing an internet outage. And it's not going, it's going to be two months before this thing is repaired. Two months. Quintillion, which provides, they are the actual provider to the providers. Right, they provide. They have a uh, they have a high speed fiber line that was underwater, ninety feet underwater, and then under another thirteen feet of um, ocean floor. But apparently, there was a heavy ice movement and it cut the cable. I mean, heavy, heavy ice movement scraped thirteen feet of dirt off the ocean floor apparently, and cut the cable. And they say it could take six to eight weeks. To repair currently, um, the uh, the currently the outage is affecting Wainwright, Point Hope, Kotzebue, Nome, Atkasuk, Uktiavik. Uh, I mean, there's there's a, just a whole bunch of different places out there, and because we use internet for a significant part of other things today, including nine one one services and others, that's a problem. 911 services, cell phone services, all of those things are now kaput uh, because of that. Um, and I just, I just, I just got to say, this is a, this is, there's a solution to this. Instead of running millions of dollars to microwave relays and undersea cables and everything else. I mean, not that, I think an undersea cable is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. That's a long, hard, it's a. A hard long-term investment. But many of these things could be solved with a simple $400 uh, unit and $100 a month. I mean, I understand that they had like 20 meg. Somebody told me. Who was it? I think it was Sean in the chat room. Sean, who's in Kotzebue right now, suffering from this internet outage. He's a regular listener to the show, and he joins us in the chat room all the day, all the time. And he said to us one time that they are paying upwards of $200 a month plus for a 20 meg connection. Now, for those of you who don't know what 20 megs is, it's probably the smallest internet package you could get. And it's like 200 and something bucks a month up on the slope from GCI. And for 100 bucks a month, you can get 500 megabytes from Starlink. Or maybe it's a gig. It's a gig down. I can't remember. It's a 500 or a gig. It's, it's 99 bucks a month. There are so many options out there. And the options don't have to be government-based. That's See, this is the precursor to what we're going to talk about here in a minute. That's part of our problem. We keep looking to government to solve all these problems when the private sector is there actually solving them for us. If only we would look. If we would look away from the daddy that is government to the private sector, we can find other options out there. That's that's what I'm saying. All right. 
We're going to continue. Uh, I'm going to drop some. I'm going to drop some truth on you here in a minute, and uh, just kind of stat it out there, all in front of you. It's it's going to be eye opening. Let's put it that way. The Michael Duke Show, Cobbett Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. uh, um, Okay. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Wow. I'm going I'm going backwards to the very beginning. You guys are like all good to go. Hump day. Um 41 degrees this morning. Yeah, I know it's like 43 here at the house this morning. I mean, I'm hot. Just give me some summer, man. Jeannie says, I just looked. Not everybody who comes in says hello. Now we know the Juno peeps are antisocial. <laughs> if, you've, if you've been lurking in the background for a long time, why not just say hi? Why not just type hi and hit enter? It's fine. Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Brian says, we're doomed. Doomed, I say. We must repent and move into condominiums. Yes, I know. Oh, okay. Uh, wait, 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 10 to 14 days. What about Amazon Prime? Well, Amazon Prime comes up on airplanes, so there's that. Um, getting 10, Hawk says 10 gallons of whole milk to go in the freezer and some powdered milk. I can't live without my fresh milk. I, I can't remember the last time I drank some. Oh, I know. I had milk about a month and a half ago. Terry made brownies, and I needed a little milk for the brownies because that's the only time I drink milk. <laughs> I use it in cooking, but I don't use it any other time. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Harold says, everyone I know bought Starlink. Many had to buy another flat screen for the kids. This is a fact. I know. I mean, that's that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's the perfect solution, and yet... The, the the state just continues to ignore it. <clears throat> GCI lobbies for your PFD every year. Yup. Ron Duncan, remember back during the Walker administration? They spent nearly $2 million lobbying for your PFD. Uh, what did we do before the internet? Amy, you know, that's a good question. We lost the internet here at the house the other day for it was a gci thing for about 12 hours and uh, i looked at my wife and said my goodness but it's amazing how dependent we become on the internet for so many things and that was the truth i mean there, <clears throat> there's just no two ways about it there it's it is 
it is it has changed our way of life more so in the last 10 years I think than even before that um I go through 500 megabytes I I'm sorry it was gigabytes yeah 500 megabytes yeah 500 megabytes down or a gig down I can't remember what it is but there's not a limit on it so that's it is um Willie says, just say no to the internet. Ironically, he said that on the internet. Uh, Willie says he gets a terabyte for 90 bucks a month. A terabyte down, but what's the speed? Is that, I mean, you're not, you're not getting a you're not getting a terabyte of download speed. That's the overall cap on your data flow. How fast is your data flow? That's the question. <clears throat> Harold just said he's checking out. He's he's getting uh, 650 megs a second. Uh, we're too dependent on the net, if you ask me, says Jeffrey. Jeffrey, that's the way of the world. I mean, I agree that in some ways it can, you know, it's it's a little spooky, but that's just how things are. Uh, that's just how things are done. Um, <laughs> and Jeannie has the most random comment of the day. She wins the Internet. For the most random comment of the day. Thank you, Jeannie. I have no idea what that's about, but uh, there you go. Okay. Um, ready to jump back into it here and uh, get the dose of truth. This should be interesting. This should be uh, interesting amongst us. Let's jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio, <clears throat> like it, share, like it, follow, do it all. Let's get it going on. Oh, don't subscribe and uh, subscribe and ring the bell. Okay. Welcome back to the program. We're continuing now. <clears throat> hour one. In hour two, Representative Ben Carpenter is going to be joining us to talk about HB 194, um, which is the, uh, what's it, the title? The Executive Budget Act. And... We got a chance to talk about this a little bit yesterday with Brad. Uh, Donna Ardwin mentioned it uh, as a solution, partial solution to the budgetary woes as to how we uh, as to how we we formulate the budget here in the state of Alaska. And after the show, I got a chance to kind of go and read through it. And I read the sponsor statement. And to say that it was a little sobering. Was an understatement. Now, some of these facts we've covered here most recently. In fact, last week I talked about uh, it was a, a report that actually Harold sent me talking about Alaska having the third worst economy in the United States. Uh, we ranked 49th, only outranking Louisiana and West Virginia as the worst economies in the state. 44th for economic health. 
41st for innovation potential. Um, we got a higher unemployment rate. Uh, you know, jobs, we're looking, you know, what is our percentage of jobs considered to be STEM employment and everything else? I mean, <clears throat> it is, you know, it was not a bright and rosy outlook for the state of Alaska in this report. Uh, so we just touched on that briefly last week. But it kind of echoed, and as soon as I read this sponsor statement for HB 194, uh, it reminded me of the the story that we mentioned earlier in the week, and I started going back and digging through some of the stuff. And there is some... We got a tough here. I mean, Alaska is so great in so many ways, right? I mean, the natural beauty of Alaska, the overall kind of... The attitude of, I don't know if there's a reality of independence, but there is an attitude and a perception of independence in Alaska that's probably like no other state uh, in the union. I mean, Alaska is, you know, we've got that frontier type mentality. And I think in a lot of ways, this is how we fooled ourselves over the years into thinking that Alaska was rough and rugged and more conservative than, you know, yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, it, no, it's not. We've been... We've been duped by a lot of things that are going on. But there's a perception anyway of independence. There's a lot of great things about Alaska. But I want to read you this. I want to read you part of the sponsor statement um, that is HB 194, which is currently in Ways and Means Committee. And Ben Carpenter is going to come on here an hour or two, and he's going to explain it all to us. So I don't know if he's listening right now or not, but... Maybe we'll give we'll give him a little red meat to describe what's happening out there, because this statement kind of pulls no punches. And then we're going to dive into deeper into what some of the statements are saying, because I, I want us all to come to I, I want us all to come to grips with one thing here in the state in, in, on in the radio to my listeners, to the people here. We being and what I say, we it's the royal we, we, you and me, are a minority in the state of Alaska. And when I say we, I mean those of us that are longing for a smaller, more limited government. Those of us that are looking for a government that will live within its means, a government that can that will no longer continue to try and dig out new revenues from the people, a government who will not ignore what the private sector is doing, who will not prioritize the public sector spend over the private sector in total, who will not ignore the law. Those of us that want those things, like I said, there you know, there's this impression or this perception that Alaska is a the wild, wild west, right? I mean, we're the last frontier. Everybody here is bitterly clinging to their guns and their freedom and all this kind of stuff. But in the same breath, we're willing to give up those freedoms and, and everything else to make ourselves a slave to the state or dependent on the state when those kind of things are happening. 
You know, we've got politicians that love to talk tough about spending and how we should cut back and everything else. Yet at the same time, when the rubber meets the road, they're the ones that won't override the vetoes or they vote for the budgets that are bloated and and are too big. And they do these things. So they're willing to do things just so long as it doesn't affect them or their constituencies. If there's one thing that we have to acknowledge, is that we are in the minority. If we were running the legislature, it would be a whole different deal. If there was 40 or 50 of us of the same mindset, it'd be a whole different deal. The problem is that out of 60 people in the legislature, less than, well, maybe, what, 10% maybe? Maybe 15% of the overall legislature feels like we do? The rest of them are on the spectrum from full bore for government to they'll talk out of one side of their mouth about cutting and then except for not in my area. We have to acknowledge that. Let me read this sponsor statement and see if it hits you as um, as hard as it hits me, because I was reading through this and it was it was a good summation. And I was like, wow. So let me. Let me dive into this. This is the sponsor statement for HB 194, the Executive Budget Act, currently sitting in House Ways and Means um, uh, uh, on the House side. Alaska's government spends twice as much as other states, but its policy performance is abysmal. When national rankings of performance metrics in key social and economic areas are released, we often come close to the bottom. Alaska's economic growth is the worst in the nation. Employment is second worst in the nation. More than 70,000 more people have left Alaska for other states than have moved here from other states. Education test scores have been consistently at the bottom. Violent crime is high. University four-year graduation is almost non-existent. We are doing something wrong. Pouring more money into our problems is not working. Alaska's spend uh, per capita is the highest in the nation. Our debt per capita is the seventh highest. We have the 10th highest welfare dependency and fewer education choice options than the majority of states. Florida spends a quarter of what Alaska does, and Florida scores very high on its policy outcomes. If you don't believe the data, believe the 1.6 million people who have moved to Florida from other states over the last 10 years. That's just the opening statement, uh, uh, the opening part of this sponsor statement on HB 194. Now, they go on to talk about how it's performance-based budgeting that could help us. Uh, that the Alaska Executive Budget Act that is already in place requires the governor and the state agencies to use performance data and metrics, but it's very vague, so it's really never had any teeth and it's never really worked. Now, I'm not 100% convinced that this would solve the problem because, again, this is all statutory and the legislature gives two poops about what's going on with this. They don't care. Statutory? No big deal. We'll just ignore it. I mean, so I don't know if this will fix it or not. 
But those opening statements it, are just so shocking. We have the 10th highest welfare right now, currently in the state of Alaska. With 700,000 people, 760, maybe 700, maybe the numbers come down. I mean, we've seen a bunch of people move out, so I don't know. It's just over 700,000 people. We currently have 270,000 people on some form of Medicaid, welfare, Section 8 house, some form of, of, of assistance. 270,000. I thought we probably would have ranked higher as far as the welfare dependency just based on that number alone. But apparently, we're the 10th highest, though, out of 50. Where spending per capita is the highest in the nation. And we're spending, what, 15,000, almost 16,000 now? Three years ago, it was 14,000 and change, and now it's up to up over 15,000 per person. Come to grips with that for a second. It's you and your spouse or your partner and your 2.4 children or whatever, four people in your household. The government is expending $60,000 a year on your behalf. Now, that, that was just the thumbnail. Shall we jump down into the metrics and into the basics of what the rest of it looks like? Oh, I think we shall. I think we shall. I think we're going to get into that. We're going to do that here in just a second. And then, after I get done with the truth bomb, we're going to bring Ben Carpenter on and see if he can save us all from ourselves. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Oh, God. All right. Um, scroll backwards here. Scroll backwards here. Scroll backwards. Okay. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, Jeannie was talking about. Oh, she was in response to Amy singing the praises of a warm water bidet. Well, I mean, who doesn't like a little backside soaking like that? Come on, that's um uh chicks with Richard shirts. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um Socialism has its downside, says Donna. <laughs> Nice for them. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So there goes. Uh, it's not all gloom. One good thing is that we have a balanced budget this year. Oh, my God, Randy. 
<laughs> oh, Randy. Randy. Um, not moving to Florida, says Harold. Alligator, shark, snakes, and now seaweed. Well, yeah, I'm not saying that we should. That was. <laughs> okay. Two folks. Best show ever. Um, I don't. Th- uh, okay, I'm sure there. With the governor like DeSantis added to the year-round sun, ample recreational vehicles and job opportunities. How can he not be enticed by Florida? I. I mean, first of all, hundred percent humidity, um, below sea level in some places, and the fact that there's a ton of people there. I'm just not interested in it. I'm sure my daughter lives in Florida right now, so I'm. I'm sure that's great, but. No, I mean, I'll stay here. I'll stay here. Um, too many people there for my taste. Yes, exactly. Kelly says six months and she's gone. She's leaving. Dang. Uh, kindly give me the number for that bill and the sponsor statement again. Willie, it's HB 194. HB 194. Um, oh, wait, I do have a link to this, don't I? Do I have a link? Um, no, I don't have a link. thought I had a link, but I didn't have a link. To basis. I thought I had a link to basis. Um, yeah, it's 100% humidity and 85 or 90 degrees. That's just not something I'm interested in. Although, I mean, they've done a good job down there. Um, yeah, uh, sure. I do not want to move to God's waiting room. Is that one? (laughs) Florida is God's waiting room. <laughs> They're just waiting to punch their ticket. Next! To the pearly gates with you! Next! <laughs> oh, man. Oh, crazy stuff. All right. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's here. I, I think the whole point of that was just look at um, look at the number of people that are moving there. Florida and Texas, those are the two places that it seems like everybody is moving. And those are two of the places that seem to be moving in the right direction as far as governmental intervention and everything. Now, Texas has got a way to go because Austin. But, you know, um, I don't have a lot of complaints about internet, but I have been seeing a lot of Facebook ads for spit spots. Weird. Um, I would never be able to afford my own property in the woods in Florida, says Hawk, or most anywhere else in the lower 48. I wouldn't be able to watch a baby movie. I think he meant baby moose being born. Yeah. Tennessee as well. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of places out there. I know many p- people are have exited the state uh, later in life, and you know, I, had a, I have a friend that's moving down to Tennessee. I've I've had several friends, in fact, move to Tennessee uh, because it's the Blue Ridge Mountains and it's the cost of living, and they're still only two hours away from major cities like Nashville or whatever, and yet they're out in the country and they got a hundred acres or <clears throat> I don't know, fifty acres, and hey, you know, it's just a it's just good. Um, wow, Randy is just pushing every one of my buttons today. Every one. 
They did not steal any money from me. Randy, trying to think about how to put this in a loving Christian way. Saved by the bell. Saved by the bell. I just don't know how I could say that in a loving Christian way, Randy. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. Let's get this. Let's let's do this. Let's let's do this right now. Here we go. Public anima number one. Oh wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. Okay. Um. So, so much commentary in the chat room. Uh, this uh, this segment, uh, it's it's amazing. Um, all right, uh, Ben Carpenter is going to be joining us here in a few minutes to uh, talk about HB one ninety four, which I just read the sponsoring statement for, uh, and we've got links up in the chat room right now. If you want to go out and read one ninety four, the uh, the uh, uh, one ninety four bill uh, that it's up in front of the uh, up in front of House Ways and Means. But basically, the, the the highlights of the sponsoring statement talk about Alaska spending being, on a per capita basis, the highest in the nation. We have the one of the highest welfare dependency. We have fewer education choices. We uh, uh, have our test scores are consistently in the bottom. More than 70,000 people have moved out of Alaska, more than have moved in. Uh, economic growth is the worst in the nation. I mean, it's just, it's just this litany of woe and bad news. And yet your politicians continue to rail from the podium in Juno about how they're here to save the state. By the way, we've had the same group or handful of people at the helm of the state since, well, almost 20 years now. And has it gotten better or has it gotten worse? I'm asking for a friend. All right, so... Let's just let's just go back and rewind the clock here a little bit and remind people uh, of some of the actual numbers of what's going on. Um, <clears throat> the uh, Alaska Policy Forum has got a slew of different um, pieces out there talking about the different metrics of how you can compare the state to other states. Um, and their one of their last pieces from Quinn Townsend. Uh, talks about this for the 2021 year. Uh, I couldn't find the 2022 year, but here's the grading score. Cost of doing business in Alaska is an F. Infrastructure, D minus. Life, health, and inclusion is a C plus. Workforce is a C. Economy is an F. Access to capital is an F. Education is an F. Cost of living is an F. This is from the CNBC top states for a business in Alaska. Alaska coming in. This is in 2021. Alaska coming in 50th. This is this this is the business friendliness category from CNBC that Quinn is talking about in 2021. Okay, uh, maybe that's not it. Maybe let's talk about education. Maybe we do better in education. Sarah Montalbano, our favorite person on education here, wrote an article back in February talking about Alaska and the AK star tests, which is the Alaska system of academic readiness, which gives you a peek into how kids are doing. 
On the mathematics portion, three out of four students were not meeting grade level expectations. In conjunction with difficulties in readings, these results suggest that the one-size-fits-all education is no longer working for three-quarters of Alaska students. The key takeaways, by the way, about 30% of all students were proficient in, in English language arts statewide. 23% were... The, tw one in three could read and write. One in four were proficient with math. Eighth graders were the least proficient in math, with fewer than 1,000 students statewide being able to meet eighth grade standards. In math, 36 schools reported 10% or fewer students are proficient, while in ELA, which is English Language Arts, Reading and Comprehension, 26, 26 reported that 10% or fewer were proficient. Among districts, 11 reported that 5% or fewer students were proficient in math. I'm sorry. I guess that you're right. Education was not a better deal. Okay, let's, uh, let's head on over to the current economic outlook for 2023 from the uh, Rich States, Poor States uh, website, where they go through economic performance ranking and current economic outlook. Well, we do come in number one on top marginal personal income tax rate because we don't have one yet. So we're number one there. Our corporate income tax, though, we're 43rd out of 50. Proper personal income tax progressivity, well, because we have none, we're still number one or number two. The property tax burden, well, we're 40th on that. Per $1,000 of personal income, we're paying $36 per $1,000 of personal income. The sales tax, we do pretty good. We come in at fifth. The debt service as a share of tax revenue, the debt share as a, as a, as a, this is a basically calculates the interest, <clears throat> excuse me, this variable calculates the interest paid on state and local debt as a percentage of state and local tax revenue. This is our indebtedness for like bonds and everything else. We are 50th. We come in dead last. Public employees per 10,000 of population. Where do you think we come in on that? Where do you think we come in on that? 49th. There's only one other state. That's Wyoming, by the way. One other state in the nation that has more public employees per capita is Wyoming. Right to work state, we're 50th. Average workers' compensation cost, we're 30th. State minimum wage, we're 29th. I mean, just these economic, they're just, they're just all over the place. The cumulative growth GDP from 2011 to 2021, a 10 year window of our cumulative GDP growth, dead last. Non farm employment growth, dead last. Cumulative domestic migration. This is the outflow. Uh, 70,000 people, 70,550 people outflow in 10 years. That puts us in the bottom two thirds. We're 34th. Overall, Alaska ranked 49th for its economic performance. And then we come to my favorite. U.S. News and World Report. Its latest piece 
his latest analysis of uh, they have a they have a ranking uh, uh, best states ranking, and they've been putting this out for um, they've been putting this out for several several years. Um, wait a second, I just I accidentally refreshed the page. I apologize. I've got to go back and now I've got to scroll all the way to the bottom of the page because yes. Yes, Virginia, we are at the bottom of the page. I have to scroll through all 50 and get down to the bottom of the page because I accidentally hit refresh. But I, I mean, here we go. No, here you go. These are the 2023 rankings right now. First of all, let me point out that in 2021, our overall ranking out of 50 states was 45th out of 50 states, which is a ray of sunshine compared to today. Today, 49th overall ranking, 49th out of 50th on crime and corrections. Crime and corrections. That's the incarceration rate, the violent crime rate, the juvenile incarceration rate, corrections outcomes and public safety all put together into one little choreographed deal. We are 48th out of 50th. In the economy, the business environment, the employment, the growth, the venture capital, net migration, all of those things, the economy, we rank 46th out of 50. On the education, well, don't worry about that. Debt at graduation, high school graduation rate still in the 70 percentile range. Has been in the 70 percentile range. I think it's come up two points since Sarah Palin was in office. But ranking overall in the higher education and the regular education, 49th out of 50th. We're rock scraping rock bottom. Fiscal stability, 33 out of 50. Okay, 37 out of 50 for health care. And then we get down into the infrastructure, 45 for infrastructure. And then, uh, oh man, it, 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 this, this is the truth bomb that we don't want to talk about because we've all basically sold ourselves on this ideal of Alaska as kind of a rugged individualist place where we're all outdoor frontiersmen and we can't be told what to do. Yet at every opportunity and at every turn, we look for the solutions. I mean, we're just talking about the Internet thing up on the North Slope. Instead of looking for solutions in the private sector, instead of looking for opportunities and doing all this other stuff, we continually look at government which does nothing but really poison our opportunities because basically you've got businesses like GCI and others who have become a part of that corporate welfare state where they are dependent now on this government expenditures and they will expend money to protect their piece of that pie, which kills innovation, kills all this other opportunity. It takes somebody like Elon Musk to come in here and basically say, I've got another I've got another option for you. But even when that option is available, and there are many, many people who've been buying Starlink units and everything else across the state, and some of these talking heads and some of these politicians are still like, we've got to solve this broadband problem out in the thing. Well, yeah, we've solved it. 
there is an option out there. It's called Starlink, but nobody wants to talk about that. How do we get more of this money to GCI? They'll fix it for us. This whole thing is just, I mean, I just started pulling these stats out, folks. This is not anything new. Again, the first thing we have to acknowledge is that we are in a minority, smaller, more limited government folks, and we've got to do something. I don't know what. Maybe HB 194 is the answer. I don't know yet. I'm not convinced. But we'll see. Ben Carpenter is going to come on board and talk to us about it. That's up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. infrastructure um i'm going through, i'm just reading some of the comments here ben carpenter i could see he's in the green room here i'm going to be to you here in just a second ben um alabama randy <laughs> i'm just not even going to engage with that at this point um he can't believe his ink in the thing and deal kelly Whoops. I don't know what just happened, but apparently. Apparently, uh, apparently I booted myself out of my own studio. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, all right. Refresh your page. Okay. Everything, everything's working. Okay. They didn't cut the cable. Nope. They didn't cut the cable. Although I'm sure that they want to. Um, Brian kind of sums up everything that I feel right now. This is Brian's comment. My takeaway, collectively, we like being serfs. I'm just not, that's it. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I feel like sometimes. Um, okay. Let's um let's let's get this thing scored away. Let's get let's get Representative Ben on the line here on the horn and see what we can come up with and see how the connection is and everything else. We both got GCI and I've been trash talking them, so we might both probably get kicked to the curb here in a hot second. Good morning, Ben. How you doing this morning? <laughs> good morning. I'm doing fine. So far, so good on the uh, on the connection. I know last time it wasn't uh, very good. But... No, no, you look good. You sound good. So it's all it's all it's all thing. Have I been too hard on the people this morning, Ben? Have I been uh, Have I been too Debbie Downer for every? I mean, just you know, you're ahead. asking the wrong person, Michael. I you I'm, know I just think that I'm the one that's accused of being too serious most times. You know, I felt like Alaska, like we were, you know, riding on the edge of the last frontier, the Wild West, that we were doing it our way, that we were ruggedly independent, and. In my mind, that's how we've been for a long time. But as I go back and look and I see the dependency that's been created in this state on both the left 
and the right, the social network, the social welfare dependency, and then the corporate cronyism and the dependency on the other side, I've come to realize that that those of us in the middle who think that we are independent, we're just getting squeezed and we're becoming vanishingly small as a demographic. I mean, am, am I wrong on that? No, I don't think so. I mean, independent and um, the Alaskan spirit that says, leave me alone, I don't want to participate with government, um, lends itself to not really watching or paying attention to what's happening. And after World War II, you can see a great socialist movement and increase in a number of countries, Great Britain being one of them, uh, many of the European countries, and to an extent, the United States. And there's been a slow creep towards a more socialistic government since World War II, the end of World War II. And so if, we're, if we want to be independent, and that means in our mind, uh, government stay out of it, and I'm going to stay out of your way, you stay out of mine, well, then that means we're, we're prone to not really watch and pay attention to what's happening. And so right. now we've got a more socialist, we've got a more socialist government. Right. We we have that attitude of I just want to be left alone, and and that's great, except for the fact that if you just want to be left alone, you have a tendency to try and leave everybody else alone and not pay attention. And then on top of that, you've got kind of the whole Saul Alinsky school of weaponizing politics and making it so divisive and so polarizing that many other people at that point get sick of it and they throw their hands up and they walk off into the pucker brush and they just stop participating. And that benefits, again, the special interest in the bigger government crowd because there are fewer people to push back on it. It's this like this self-reinforcing feedback loop. Yeah, I guess I I just take exception to the uh, throw my hands up and walk away. You don't win oh, I, anything in life by doing that. I agree. I agree. But it is a reality, Ben, right? I mean, you have to agree that mm-hmm. that is happening. People are so pissed off and frustrated and, and burned out that they just go, F it, and they walk out the room. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that I'm doing that, but there are hundreds and thousands of people that are doing that all the time. I mean, look at the last election, the lower voter, lowest voter turnout, I mean, in history— and yet we're, you know, it, it, it's because I think a lot of it is people are just frustrated. But we cannot divorce ourselves from our own government. No, we can't. Remember, government is what happens to you when you're not paying attention. That's the, yeah. that's the old axiom. Government is what happens to you when you are not paying attention, which is why we always have to try and hold it in check. I mean, uh, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. As, uh, as if it's liberty. government of the people, by the people, and for the people, but the people want to divorce themselves from the government because it's too hard. Yeah, then it doesn't. The whole thing doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm using the word divorce specifically to to draw an analogy to a marriage. Right. Right. If if the marriage becomes hard and we just divorce because that's the easier path, and we take that mentality and approach our relationship with government in a similar fashion. Yeah. Then your government's not going to work. Yeah, it's never going to survive that. All right. Well, Ben, hold the line. We're going to be right back to you, folks. Uh, The Michael Duke Show continues. We've got more coming up. Let's uh, get it going on here. Hour two is dead ahead.
Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find everything to do with the radio show, including links to our social media sites where we simulcast the radio show every morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Links to the podcast available on CastBox, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And, of course, the audio-only live stream, which is up and running right now. Also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and good morning. Welcome to it Hump Day, Hour 2 of the Big Radio Broadcast. If you missed Hour 1, count yourself lucky because I gave you the hard truth and it was painful. For, for It was shocking and painful. And it is the truth. That's the thing. Uh, we're in a tough situation. Alaska is in the, we're in the bottom of the pack. We're in the, we're at the tail end of economics, education, economy, growth, uh, employment, uh, opportunity, business environment. Alaska ranks 49th and 50th in every category that counts right now. And yet we're just going to keep doing the same thing that we've been doing. We've got to stop the madness. Now, one of the options for that, one of the things that may fix a part of that, apparently, is HB 194, which has to do with the Executive Budget Act. Uh, joining us this morning to discuss this uh, is Representative Ben Carpenter, chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. And uh, we're going to talk about all the things that we just talked about and how HB 194 may fix that. He joins us this morning to discuss, and we welcome him on the program right now. Good, uh, good morning, Ben. Good morning, sir. How are you? You know, just another beautiful day in paradise. What do you What do you got going? It's only forty three degrees here at the house, but you know, I, I was about to ask if summer has arrived up there because it uh, certainly hasn't. Oh no, yet. no. My main hope, uh, and this is thank you to Brian. My main hope is that summer falls on a weekend this year. That's it. That's all I'm asking <laughs> is that at least it falls on a weekend. Low expectations. Uh, hey, I'm setting the bar pretty low. At least I can't be disappointed any more than I already am. Uh, ben, yeah. I don't know if you've listened to the last uh, hour or so of the show, but I mean, I just laid out some hard, hard facts that really, you know, we we act in this state like I think I said there's like this perception. I don't think it's reality. I think it's a, a self-belief, a delusion, a perception that we as Alaskans are rugged individualists and we do what we want and we don't need the government. And I think that's just those of us that are on the program here and some of the listenership. And we've kind of deluded ourselves into believing that because really we are one of the largest welfare, big government teat suckling group of folks in the entire country and we also have the economy and the policy driven stuff to prove it am i wrong i don't i don't disagree with that i think you can summarize by saying that we're we've got a socialist socialistic constitution and and we've allowed ourselves to 
um, become a, a more socialist state. Um, maybe that's because people have divorced themselves from their government in their mind and they think that they can just uh, not participate and, and things will be fine. And, you know, to, to the extent that they're wrong, uh, we find right. ourselves in the situation. I, I guess I would just summarize and say that um, all of the problems that we witness, um, better management and better leadership in state government would improve a lot of that. And to the extent that I'm looking for solutions now that I'm in the majority for the first time, um, some of the best advice that I received when I first arrived in the legislature was to seek policy changes that improved governance and reduce the cost of government, as opposed to just fighting it out tooth and nail during the budget process. Right, right. right. And so that's that's what I've done. That's Set policy, I've, right. Instead of trying to fight the budget on an ongoing basis and an ongoing battle, set the underpinnings, the framework, make it more efficient and make it better that way you don't have to fight every battle every year. Yeah, and that's that's the the start of this process at the beginning of this legislature was to bring out a fiscal plan. So I, I highlighted, um, authored some bills and championed others that others had created. And we highlighted five bills for a, for a fiscal plan. Those are HDR2 and HB38 that created an effective spending limit. Um, HDR7 and HB110 settle the PFD um, problem that we have by constitutionalizing the PFD and then requiring the statute of how the PFD would be paid to be followed. And then House Bill 109 was restructuring our tax um, process to, to lower our corporate income tax to incentivize economic growth and create a statewide uh, low broad-based sales tax to tie in the um, private sector economy to what we do during the budget process. Um, you know, we've got to get the state to care about economic growth because right. right now we we don't. The legislature doesn't really concern itself with economic growth. And then I really wanted HB 194 to be part of that that fiscal plan because better management is is the way that we're going to get to reducing the cost of government. Right. In, my, in my opinion, the the fight that we're fighting every year since I've been here just is not a conducive way to getting better lower cost government. So. I'm hoping, as we discuss this, that, that we find some ways that give us better data and make us do make better management decisions as we go forward. Ben Carpenter is our guest. Ben, during the break, I said, you know, like you said, a lot of people have divorced themselves from government, although this is not a divorce that really works because, as my grandfather used to say, government is what happens to you when you're not paying attention. You cannot pay attention to it. You can ignore it. You can throw your hands up in the air and put your, you know, la, 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 I'm not listening. And government will still affect you, still take still take money from you, still, uh, you know, impair your freedoms and your liberties. We have got to remain engaged on this thing. And, and quite honestly, I think that you're – and this is what got me started down this whole path today, folks, was the sponsor statement on HB 194 that Ben has in the Ways and Means Committee – that is the Executive Budget Act. I'm going to read this real quick, Ben, and then I'm going to give you the floor. Uh, this is what the sponsor statement says. Alaska government spends twice as much as other states, but its policy performance is abysmal. When national rankings of performance metrics in key social and economic areas are released, we often come close to the bottom. Alaska's economic growth is the worst in the nation. Employment is second worst in the nation. More than 70,000 more people have left Alaska for other states than have moved here from other states. Education test scores have been consistently at the bottom. Violent crime is high. 
university for your graduation is almost non-existent. We are doing something wrong. Pouring more money into our problems is not working. Alaska's spending per capita is the highest in the nation. Our debt per capita is seventh highest. We have the tenth highest welfare dependency and fewer education choice options than the majority of states. Florida spends a quarter of what Alaska does, and Florida scores very high on its policy outcomes. If you don't believe the data, believe the 1.6 million people who have moved to Florida from other states over the last 10 years. Now, some people will get hung up and be like, I don't want to move to Florida. That's not the point. The point is, look at the people that are going to Florida. Look at the people who are going to Texas. Look at the people who are going to states with a more freedom, more pro private economy uh, outlook with a smaller, more efficient government outlook and look at how people are fleeing other states to go there. Uh, this is what started me down this path. And this is why I'm hoping that HB 194 can find some kind of solution. So I turn it over to you here, uh, Ben. Describe what this does and uh, tell me why it's the solution or part of the solution to our problems. Thanks, Michael. And and I, and I want to really want to reiterate that it's not a panacea. It's not this one bill doesn't solve all our problems, but it does help us get to a, a better place where we're more effectively managing state government. So one of the things that uh, HB 194 does is prior to the budget process starting, it creates a requirement for estimating conferences. And those estimating conferences are um, made up of uh, a representative from the executive branch, the governor appoints. And then uh, both the Senate president and the and the uh, speaker would appoint individuals, and then the the finance director for our legislative finance would participate in those estimating conferences. And so the the concept here is that we don't arrive in January with a budget that only has the executive branch's assessment on and and predictions and and the data that they want to present. That the executive branch and the legislature get together prior to the budget being put forward and the budget reflects the official estimates that come out of that estimating conference. So we should have a, a legislative and executive branch conversation that is leading to better results in the budget prior to the budget actually um, coming out and, and the legislature meeting to, to con, uh, consider it. And so I think that, that that will give us better data at the, at the front, front end so as estimating conferences is spelled out in the in the um, bill are um, there's seven of them. Uh, three of them are real primary, the economic estimating conference, the demographic estimating conference and the revenue conference. Those would be three key ones that you would need to have prior to your budget process. There are some subsequent estimating conferences that you could use as needed. Right. So you've got an education estimating conference, a criminal justice educating conference, uh, estimating conference social services and retirement systems um, actuarial assumptions conference and those are those are really main big main areas that impact our our um our budget and our our thinking on how we prioritize the spending of money that i think if you were to have some meeting of the minds prior to the budget process and, and have some official numbers that are agreed upon prior to the budget process that we would have a better outcome uh, ben Carpenter, uh, our guest. Uh, ben, so these conferences are basically, you're calling them estimating meetings. conferences. They're basically committees, right? Like small three, four person committees that basically yeah. get together and they look at the actual numbers. And instead of the governor just deciding what the metrics are going to be, 
now you have a three or four way conversation about what the actual real numbers are and what's realistic. Is that, am I breaking that down on each yeah, one of these absolutely issues? Right. Yeah. And, and the estimating conferences would be public. They'd be subject to the public um, uh, scrutiny. So they would, they would be, they would be like any other committee meeting that we have that the public can, can view and listen and, and watch attend if, <laughs> if they're in Juno. Right. Uh, if they're in Juno. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah. So how does this how does this differ from because currently there is an executive budget act, but like many pieces of legislation that either wasn't robust enough, didn't have enough detail or it has become basically ineffective uh, over the course of years. So how does this differ from the current act um, and how do you think that this will make those you know, what changes will it make in that regard? Well, it's interesting that you asked that question because so so often we're frustrated with the budget process of um, supplemental budgets. For example, the Executive Budget Act already say says that we shouldn't be spending um, more than has been appropriated to us, but we do through a supplemental budget process, and we just assume the legislature just assumes okay, well it's standard operating procedure to have a supplemental budget at the sometime during the budget process. Well, that's, that's not the case. The, the executive budget act already says that the management plan that's put into place is supposed to have management um, um, processes that don't allow expenditures to exceed the appropriations. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not managing appropriately right. if we have a supplemental, right? So we're not even following the executive budget act right now. And so uh, making some tweaks to it through this bill helps draw attention to the fact that better management comes with actually knowing what you're required to do through the statute. And that's what the Executive Budget Act is supposed to do, both for the legislature and the executive. So one of the things that it will do is it'll require, uh, the change will require, right now it says the legislature will create uh, measures, but it doesn't determine who the le who in the legislature. So one of the changes that we're going that we're proposing here is to make the legislative budget and audit committee responsible for um, creating measures for each one of the um, departments, and that would be through the legislative finance division, right? We've got a team of people that are um, capable of uh, determining what what measures um, of effectiveness that we should be using. And then those measures would be used during the budget process, both from the governor's perspective. He would know what those measures are. They're, they're handed to him, and he has to use them during his budget creation process. And then the legislature would use that during our budget subcommittee process to communicate with the executive branch and make decisions based on not just how much money was appropriated and how many people you have and, and is this a good idea, but actual measures of effectiveness that say we're either meeting our mission goals or we're not based on data. And that is a, a conversation that is completely absent from most budget conversations that we have in the legislature. You, you make a valid point before we go to break here, but you make a valid point that currently we have this in statute and they ignore it anyway with the supplemental budgets and everything else. I guess my main concern is I know you want to bring attention to this, but if they are ignoring statute now, and they're ignoring several statutes now, what good will this do if we do pass this and then they just decide that they're going to ignore it anyway? Well, like you said earlier, um, you know we have to we have to force ourselves to to do the right thing, 
if we divorce ourselves from the process and just uh, ignore it, if we just ignore the statute, if we don't care about the statute, then then there's nothing stopping us, right? The legislature is the the highest um, governing body in the in the state in that sense. There's nobody that's going to tell the state legislature and legislators in general what they have to do, what they don't have to do. If if they're not going to follow the law, then there is nothing that you can do. That that's the corrupt the corrupt system that we find ourselves occasionally is we just ignore the rules and ignore the law, and there's no consequence other than at the ballot box. Right. Representative Ben Carpenter is our guest. We're going to uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our discussions on HB 194 and some of the other solutions that we could bring forward to try and help, you know, bring us out of this doldrum. I mean, again, I, I want to be number one. I don't want to be 50 or 49th out of 50. I'd like to be up, you know, at least in the top 10. I mean, I don't think that that's too much to ask. Ben Carpenter is our guest. We'll return the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break with Ben Carpenter as our guest. Ben, I hate to do this for you. I hate to do this to you. I hate to even give this kind of credence to it, but I I want want you to comment on this because uh, initially... um, uh, we we have a our perennial ray of sunshine in the chat room, uh, Randy, who comes in and tells us that uh, he's so happy that uh, the balanced budget is uh, is here that that is the end all be all, and uh, that that's what we should be going on and on about, uh, and that nobody's stolen anything from him, and he's so happy that there's a balanced budget. And in fact, he says, Representative Carpenter, everyone in the chat room is afraid to say the words balanced budget, except for him. Perhaps you as the enlightened guest can give your thoughts about this year's state of Alaska's balanced budget, which, again, the first time in years that's happened. Uh, but I'll I'll give you I'll give you some th- I'll let you share your thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure that a balanced budget is the goal that we want to set for of course we we need to have a balanced budget but if if balancing the budget just means that whatever amount of money comes in is the amount of money you can spend on um state services and and uh, operations and and statewide items then i i'm not sure that that's the goal um what we do in hb 194 is is turn the focus towards defining through our estimating conferences what reoccurring revenue is and then let's balance the budget for statewide items and operations uh, based on that reoccurring revenue. And that, that means that, that when you have high oil prices or um, excessive or, or uh, good investment years where you have um, a boom of revenue, that we don't balance the budget to the boom. We balance it to what is reoccurring, what's steady and, and normal and what right. we can count on year to year. Right. So if that's what we define a balanced budget as, then great, let's use that as a goal. But it, not if balanced budget just means 
check check the checkbook at the beginning of the year and we can spend whatever's in the checkbook right. on our our government right because this this last budget we balanced it and in a time when when we don't have our fiscal house in order we grew our operations by between six and seven percent and so i i don't i and don't we got a 67 find, and we got a 67 percent pay raise for the legislature on top of it exactly and and we still haven't addressed fundamentally the the outcomes bettering the outcomes that we we need so well, it's, we need better management. It's tough when you balance the budget on the backs of Alaskans. When you balance the budget at the price at the cost of the PFD, which is Alaskans' money, right? I mean, that was the that is individual Alaskans' money. The government got their share. The people are supposed to get their share, and instead of living within their means, they balance the budget by taking the share from the people. That's uh, would again violates. Yeah, I, I the guess law. I would I would just push back on that a little bit, Michael, and say whose back should we balance it on? No, because I mean, yeah, I, if if the people don't have a stake in paying for their government, then who's going to? Right now, the state's state leans heavily on business, and it is taking the PFD. I'm not de- denying that, and I don't think that that's the best use of the permanent fund earnings to just you know pay for state government with it. But we do have to recognize that if we want to have a responsive government to what the people desire, then the people have to have a stake in paying for that government. And right now we're paying for our government through our permanent fund earnings, but we're also paying for it through business taxes. We rely heavily on oil and um, not so much anymore because the, the production and, and price has gone down, but um, and our federal dollars have increased, right? But realistically and, and um, structurally, we do want to recognize that Alaskans have a burden to help pay for their state government. And how we do that needs to um, promote the things that are important to us. So it's not just a socialist state where everybody's taken care of by government programs, but how do we how do we pay for state government that incentivizes economic activity? Ben Carpenter is our guest. We're coming back into it here, jumping back into the discussion, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Please like and share, like and follow, subscribe and ring the bell. Go over to YouTube and subscribe there if you haven't then you can come back to facebook if you don't like youtube that's fine here we go common sense radio let's let's do it the michael duke show not your daddy wait sorry not your daddy Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio <laughs> Whew, i was scared for a second thought we were going down here's michael dukes and the show that's right. Not your daddy. I got, I got enough kids. I don't need more of you. Nor do I play your daddy on TV. This is not your daddy's talk radio. In fact, it is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Continuing now with Representative Ben Carpenter, Chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. We've been talking about HB 194. We just got off into a sidetrack discussion here during the break about balanced budgets uh, and more. And you said an interesting thing, Ben, which I think harkens back to some of the discussions that Hammond had when we were first eliminating the income tax here in the state of Alaska. His recommendation was to turn the percentage to zero, but leave the statute on the books because he said that a uh, that a public that was not engaged in the process, that did not have skin in the game, so to speak, was going to basically just start to ignore it. And like you said earlier, become divorced from the process and not pay attention to it. 
And of course, that didn't happen. And now we have the permanent fund, which is being taken. And your argument in part is we have to have skin in that game so that we do stay engaged. If the private, if the public sector, if the government is going to divorce itself from the private sector by basically drawing the majority of its monies from the earnings reserve and from the earnings of the permanent fund, then we at least should have skin in the game to connect back to the legislature in another way. Is that kind of what you're saying here? That's, that is that is what I'm saying. At a very fundamental level, people who pay for things have a seat at the table. And if we're not going to pay for things as, as uh, citizens of the state, if we're not going to pay for government, then we shouldn't be surprised if we don't really have a seat at the table. I mean, remember, this is government of the people, by the people, and for the people. The people can't say, well, I'm not going to pay for it. That doesn't work. That's divorcing yourself from the process of self-government. Self-government right. means you have to make decisions, you have to send representatives, and you have to pay for what you ask for. Right now, our structure says we're going to rely on oil and business to pay for our government. How about how about we do what I've advocated for years? If you really wanted to see the size and scope of government shrink in this state, because you're, we again we spend more per capita than any other state in the nation. We're I mean we're tremendously bloated in concern of that. How about we give? I mean because people say, well, you're not paying taxes. Well, we are paying taxes. We just don't see them. They're stealth taxes, right? Because the money from our oil revenue, which we all own collectively, I didn't write the Constitution, but that's what it says. We all own collectively the subsurface mineral rights. Then how about we give all those revenues and royalties directly to the people and then tax them back? I mean, if that's what you wanted, because then you would see, I mean, if you got a royalty check from the state of Alaska that was $16,000, $18,000 per person in your household, and you did the happy dance because you just, you know, as a a household of four, you just got $70,000. And then the week later, you got the tax bill from the state and they said, you owe us $62,000 of that $70,000. There would be a the, the it would grind to a screeching halt. There would be pitchforks and torches everywhere because then they would see exactly what this state government is costing them. Yeah, I I, I understand the direction that you're heading with that analogy or that example, but I'm I'm not in favor of of <clears throat> the state giving um, large. Um, large checks to people and then taking that back. Well, I mean, for the, look for the simple fact that there's not a there's not a value, and this is where I'm saying, you've got a um, socialist document, right? That the of um, collective ownership of mineral rights within the state is a socialist concept, right? And we agree. Yes, we benefit from a permanent fund dividend, but the government is wanting to take the permanent fund dividend away and just spend it on state um, state services because that's what is in the best interest of the people. And that's what some people want and some government lobbies want, right? Ultimately, that is um, allowed or enabled because the, the founding document says that the people own the mineral rights. Well, that, that very connection to the, to the mineral rights is a disincentive for investment in um, economic development within the state. Uh, an entity comes in and wants to um, mine, for example. Well, they can't buy the land and own the true wealth of the land. And so that discourages coming in and doing exactly that. They have to um, work through the state 
and pay whatever the state royalty is at that particular time to to access that the true wealth of that land and so that's that's a you know if, if individuals could own the the mineral rights within the land within the within the state of Alaska then that would be a true capitalistic system that we would have access to but we don't we've got a we're working within a socialist system if you're going to you know I, I don't see that the that the political will is to change that that within our constitution so we're going to have to operate within this socialistic um Right. paradigm of well of collective ownership of the wealth the true wealth of our land i, I don't think so it could if be. that's the case then some of that should be spent on in the private sector and some of it should be spent in the government sector and i think yeah. that's what we've had on the books for a while we just don't follow it right right and well and I, I don't think it could be changed even constitutionally because that was a component of the statehood compact and uh, that was a that was a prerequisite for alaska becoming a state was that they would have to basically you know take over all the subsurface mineral rights that was part of the that was part of the deal. But uh, I mean, look, I, Ben, you and I fundamentally agree overall on the, on the whole thing. I was just using that as an example for people who say, well, you don't pay taxes in Alaska. Of course we pay taxes. It just goes straight to the government. We never, it never passes through our hands. Can you imagine the economic growth if everybody got an $18,000 check? And then even though they would get taxed back for the short period of time that they had that $18,000, they could do so much in the private economy to do things. Could you imagine what that would be like? And it would act as a, as a governor to the overall uh, spend of the state government because people wouldn't stand for it. They would actually see with their own eyes what it was about. Um, HB 194, um, where, you know, where, what's, where's it at in the process? What's going to happen when the next session, next half of the session gets taken up? Where are we going from here on this? So we were, we were delayed in talking about this and, and moving it forward this year, um, because it was in drafting. It took quite a while to get through drafting. Um, so it's still in house ways and means, and we will pick that up first thing in the next session. And so people can support it then and everything else. What, I mean, what kind of response with the draft and everything else? I mean, the language, I read the language earlier uh, from the sponsor statement, that's some pretty strong stuff. I mean, that lays out some hard truths that people really don't want to hear about. Occasionally, we'll see a story in the ADN or someplace about how our rankings are kind of poor on this or on that. But I just spent the last hour in hour one of the program going through piece by piece everything Every, you know, every stat that the state is falling behind on, and it's a huge amount. I mean, crime, education, economy, economic development, business environment. I mean, we are at the bottom of the of the barrel on all of that. What's the reaction been so far from your fellow legislators and others as you've put this information out? Well, I've got one co-sponsor of HB 194 so far that, I, that I'm aware of. So that's that's a good thing. Um, I haven't pushed HB 194 because I didn't have a bill until near the end of the legislative legislative session um, to show people and and explain here's the here's the vehicle that that I'm wanting to talk about. So um, I don't have we haven't had the conversations that we have needed to to uh, generate support for it. Um, 194 is only one one effort. Uh, HB 190 is another thing we might want to schedule some about, but that creates a sunset conference that has been implemented in Texas since the 1970s. And that sunset conference would enable um, the governor and the presiding officers to appoint members 
from the public to the sunset conference and and that it would act like a committee but the conference would look at each individual department and the sub entities of those departments and decide whether they needed to continue or make changes and then there's teeth written into it so that if the changes and recommendations from that um, sunset committee aren't implemented by the legislature then the entity that they were looking at sunsets it goes away so in texas this has led to um, billions of dollars of savings and an improved government. This is this is one of the management tools that Texas uses to improve their government. Recognize that our process that we have in our 90 or 120 days down in Juneau is not conducive to doing exactly what needs to be done, which is a deep dive into each one of the departments. We don't have the now to do that and it desperately needs to be done so creating another another small portion of government that is the least costly that we can do in order to focus on improving our government a decade from now everyday alaskans will have a stake in, or a part in taking a look at our socialistic move right the the right the move towards a more socialist government and saying is this exactly what we want and if it is, then great, we're going to continue doing it. But if there are management things, if there are wasteful things, if there are, um, you know, results that we don't really want, and we, we are going to recommend some changes to the legislature, well, the legislature is going to have to take those up and substantially comply with the recommendations from that commission, or that entity sunsets and goes away. So those are two, those are two really, both HB 194 and HB 190, are two really powerful tools to get at better management for state government. And and I'm hopeful that we can have that conversation this next legislature. Well, I mean, I think the Sunset Committee idea, because obviously, one, it's been proven in other states, it's been proven to work. And to me, it I think it automatically makes sense. I think that most laws should have a sunset clause or provision in them, basically, because things change. And we know that once something's in law, it's almost impossible to get it repealed or get it reversed, or even in some cases to even modify it. Having an automatic sunset in most of those things uh, can really make a difference. And uh, I want to I want to continue that thought. Ben Carpenter is our guest, The Michael Duke Show. Uh, we're going to continue with him here in just a moment. One final segment dead ahead. The Mike, uh, uh, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. That's what it's all about. Ben Carpenter continues right after this. Regularly heard on American radio. Listen to by more staffers in Juneau than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're continuing now with Ben Carpenter, uh, our guest. Uh, ben, uh, Cindy asks a question, uh, which I think is valid based on all the talking and discussions we've just had. And she says, how much should citizens pay if the legislators continue to have a ravenous appetite to spend, spend, spend? You're right. 
We need to pay for government. That's a government of the people, by the people, for the people. But if they have this continuous appetite to do nothing but spend, how much should we pay? It's a great question. And I guess I'd answer it this way. Who is they? I'm not sure who they is. But if if the people who are divorcing themselves from participating in government don't want to pay more taxes, the other people who are not divorcing themselves from government, who are demanding more spending, those are the socialists, they're continuing to participate and they drive up the cost of government, then somebody is going to pay for it. It's not the socialists likely that are going to pay for it. They're going to find somebody else to pay for it. So the right the right amount of um, taxation is determined by what it is we want to that we're going to pay for. But if I'm not participating, if I'm not showing up at the polls and I don't know what's going on in the legislature, then I don't, what is the right amount? I don't know what the right, right. amount is because right. I don't know what you want your government to look like. You don't participate. Well, we, you know, uh, <laughs> we here on the program are engaged. Listeners on this program are probably engaged, uh, uh, you know, for the most part in that kind of stuff. And I think the they that we're talking about or that I, she doesn't say they, I said they, but the legislators, um, you're right. We have to stay engaged because special interests and those who have a more progressive or socialist tendency, they want the government to spend. They want that money floating around in the economy. And if we give up, if we are frustrated and just, again, throw our hands up and just, you know, give it the finger and walk away, then we're going to get what we get. Right. We have to stay engaged on this process and fight this process. I, I've I basically, you know, ever since the the midterm elections where we were, everybody was expecting the red wave and instead we got the pink tinkle kind of thing. Uh, you know, I've come to the conclusion that, you know, we are a minority in Alaska. Those, those of us that are smaller, more limited government that want to live on our own, that want government to be within its means and live within its means. We are a minority. Uh, we need to be a strong and vocal minority and effective. And we can't just, we can't just give up. We, we've we got to get our friends engaged. I mean, we saw the last election turnout, you know, again, the midterms, the lowest turnout in, uh, you know, basically since they started on a per capita turnout, since they started recording uh, that kind of stuff. And that's not a good look for us. I, I would say that we're, we're probably, we are a minority of those who are participating, but I'm not sure that we're a minority of those who actually exist in Alaska. I think the people who say, you know what, not my problem, I don't want to get involved, tend to be more conservative than they are socialist. I just think that they don't see that their inaction, their, their um, divorcing themselves from the process is actually hurting them in the long run. And I, that's, so I'm not, I'm not in agreement that there are less um, limited government people in the state of Alaska. I just think that there's less limited government people that are participating in the process. You might be right. I mean, it, yeah, you might be right. Frankly, it's 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 incentivized the opposite way. Those who want to see a socialist government and and a, um, a government taking care of them, government solutions are incentivized with participating. 
Right. The limited government people are not incentivized to participate. Well, and maybe that's a maybe so that's a maybe that's something from their base philosophy, right? I've often said that you know the problem with, uh, you know, the problem what we're facing is that those who are philosophically on the left in the more progressive camp, they believe that government is the solution, so they want to become part of it, and the special interests are there, and all the monies are there, and those who are on the right who are more rugged individualists and want to be just left alone, they don't play well with others, so they don't want to go out. They they are rugged individuals and they don't want to be part of it. They just want to ignore it and be left alone. And that's part of the problem. One is very kumbaya. One is very much I'm a on my own kind of thing. We've got to learn how to come together. You're right. Maybe it's just the participation part is the minority. Maybe there are more people who are out there who are smaller, more limited government, but they just don't know what to do or they're pissed off or they're just not incentivized to get together. We've got to figure out how to fix that so that that silent minority or that silent majority maybe is involved more. I, I don't know how to do that other than, Ben, I've been doing this for 25 years. I don't know how to get more people involved in that uh, in that regard. Well, um, unfortunately, um, pain is a motivator, and I think it's the greatest motivator <laughs> um, either to <laughs> avoid it or to alleviate it once it happens. Yeah. Um, I unfortunately that's kind of what it is. Um, anyway, I, I would like an opportunity to address uh, uh, um, additionally address that taxation question. No, no, you're gonna you're gonna get the full segment here to do what you want here. We're gonna jump into that right now. So hold the line. Ben Carpenter is our guest. Uh, please like and share the show. As I said earlier, if you haven't liked the show on YouTube yet, would you do that? And I, even if you don't like YouTube, just go over to YouTube, subscribe, and ring the bell. Then you can come back to Facebook. It does have a little bit more robust chat feature. Here we go. All right, we're continuing now. One final segment with Ben Carpenter, our guest, representative from down uh, on the peninsula, also the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. We've been talking about HB 190, HB 194. 190 is the Sunset uh, Provision uh, Committee, and 194 is the new Executive Budget Act. But he also wanted to talk a little bit about taxation. So we got about uh, uh, nine, 10 minutes here. And I want to give Ben just the floor to kind of talk about some of the issues that have come up today from the chat room or my questions or anything else. So, Ben, I'll let you uh, I'll let you take it away here and you give us your thoughts here in the final segment. Yeah, I, I, I want to reassure folks that I'm, I'm not about just increasing taxation to solve our problems. Throwing more money at state government is not going to solve our problems because we'll just have to continue throwing more money at it. I'm I'm talking I'm I'm having a difficult conversation about taxation because I think it is part of the solution, but I'm not in favor of just solving the problem with taxation. That's why I've presented some uh, a fiscal plan that includes limiting state government spend through a constitutional amendment and solving the PFD problem through a constitutional amendment that requires a portion of the PFD to be paid to the people. And then we have a conversation about the right level of taxation. The sales tax provision or bill that I put forward, the estimates on that were somewhere around nine hundred million dollars would be would be generated. Okay, 
um, if you coupled that with a uh, corporate income tax reduction, that would generate a, a reduction in the amount you would collect uh, at state revenue by three or four hundred million dollars. So you're looking around seven hundred million dollars um, net with that with that tax change. Well, if you take the average Alaskan income and you assume that you know ninety percent of that income gets spent and it would be would be subject to a sales tax, then your your end result or your your amount of taxation that 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 individual or that family pays um, is around nine hundred dollars. So if you compare that to what um, what a statutory or 50-50 split of the permanent fund revenue, uh, permanent fund earnings would would bring to an individual and to a family, you're much better off to pay the sales tax of $900 on an average. That's either 50 or $60,000 um, of uh, annual income is the average for Alaskans. I think it's 60, around 60. You're much better off to pay that $900 of sales tax and receive the permanent fund earnings into the private sector, into your hands to be spent in the private sector. The state economy is much better off to receive that permanent fund earnings into your hands, and then it gets spent in small business and, and through the economy, and then collected back in a tax, a small tax back to the state coffers. So I'm, I'm not saying that keep everything as it is right now and just add a tax because that's not the solution that the state needs that's not going to make us more healthy but i am saying restructure it is it is time for us to grow up and restructure our state government away from just relying upon oil and business to be our our cash cow don't be surprised that business business interests carry the day in the government lobby down in juno they're the ones that are paying the lion's share of the taxes in, in the state and consumption taxes that we have, if you're able to reduce your, your other consumption taxes that are what our hidden taxes are because you're collecting enough through a sales tax, then we're all better off. We all pay taxes at the local level. You've got sales taxes at the, at the city and, and the borough levels. You've got property taxes at the local level. And my sales tax provision was uh, designed to help address that. So in, in uh, municipalities that don't have um, corporate, uh, I'm sorry, uh, oil and gas property uh, tax sharing arrangements already, and that's in Kenai Peninsula, North Slope, Valdez, and Fairbanks, those other municipalities, um, those are the boroughs, right? So those other municipalities would be able to share in the sales tax um, revenue, 50% uh, of the sales tax revenue, they'd be able to share of um, if they keep their property tax down 10 mils or less. So if, if we can use the state economic engine and the capacity to generate wealth within our state, we're a resource-rich and if we can get to a point where our tax structure is built upon the, the economic engine of the state, then taxes across the state can, can come down. We don't have to have as many hidden taxes. We don't have to have as high a property taxes because the economic engine is picking up that, um, that burden to pay for state government, but it's through the people. We pay that burden and we have a dog in the fight and it's, it's clear to us every time we spend our money, how much tax we're paying. Well, and as we've talked about before with Senator Rob Myers is that there is a severe danger when the government is dependent solely on permanent fund earnings and some corporate taxes 
to be completely divorced from the private economy, from what happens. They could give two cares left if the majority of their money is coming from the earnings of the permanent fund, which is what, $3 billion roughly right now is what they're pulling out of, the, out of the earnings every year. If the majority of their money is coming out of there, they really don't care what's going on in the Alaska economy because it doesn't affect their, the state's, revenue or income. All they care about is protecting that. They don't want to... Uh, they don't they don't they don't care if the economy is doing well or doing or, or doing poorly because they're not getting their money from that. We've got to have that connectivity between the two to protect the private economy. I, I don't disagree. That's it's exactly what the risk is long term for using permanent fund earnings solely to pay for state government is that you're enabling a system that doesn't care about economic activity in the private sector. Um, there are some people, and I'm not. I'm not saying this as a, as a conspiracy. There are literally people who think that the best interest of the state is to become smaller population-wise and just turn it into a state park and and rely on people coming in to visit for some of your revenue, your your livelihood. That's it. Turn it into a state park, and keep keep people out. The problem is, is that the people who leave Alaska are the ones that are, that have the means to do so. Those are the people who are going to leave. And so you're left over with people who are dependent on government and dependent on assistance. And it just is a self, uh, self-defeating cycle here of socialism. And if we, if we really keep our focus that, that every time there's a solution presented by a candidate or a legislator that says, the government needs to do this, like, like childcare. We need right. better childcare, and we need the state to pay for it. Okay, that's a socialist idea. Do we want more socialism in a state? Because somebody's going to pay for it, and others are going to get the benefit. It's 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 socialism. So if that's what you want is a socialistic state, then either allow it by voting for it, or allow it by not participating. But if you don't want a socialist state, then you're going to have to pay for something different and you're going to have to participate in the process. Uh, Representative Ben Carpenter, uh, our guest here on the Michael Duke show. Uh, we've been talking about HB 194, HB 190, uh, the state of taxation and the disconnect in state government between uh, the private and the public economies and how we can fix it. Uh, last two minutes here, Ben, uh, I want to give you the final bite at the apple, so to speak. Um, you know, again, my question is, how do we engage that silent minority of people who basically just want to do their thing and be left alone, the rugged individualists who have thrown their hands up? Any suggestions on how we can bring them back to the fold to become more vocal and to become more engaged in the process? Yeah, I would just say um, talk to your neighbors. Talk to your neighbors. Help them understand um, and if, and if you're having a challenge communicating to people, learn how to communicate better. I, mean, I don't want to be, I'm, I don't want to be the father, right? You said this earlier, I'm not your daddy. Right. Exactly. But my rec, my recommendation is, is that if you are uncomfortable with talking to people about this issue, or you feel that people don't listen to you, this is the same problem that I have, right? I have to be a better influencer as a legislator. I need to improve the way that I do things to communicate and influence. If that's where you're at, if that's where the public's at, that they, they pull away from the process because, oh man, it's just so difficult 
and I don't really see the results and we just end up fighting and I just would rather ignore it. Well, then perhaps you should consider that becoming a better influencer and, and communicating better with folks is part of the challenge that Alaskans face right now. We've, we've stopped talking about religion and we've stopped talking about politics because it's not polite. But then we shouldn't be surprised when we suck at talking about and moral decisions in our, in our state government and our school systems are declining because we're not talking about moral issues. Right. We suck at it. Yeah. So let's get better at talking to those things. And then maybe we'll see better influence happening at, at the times that they need it at election time, at um, times when the legislate legislators are asking for, for advice and, and whatnot. We've got to stay engaged. We've got to encourage those that have that viewpoint to be there and to stay engaged. Uh, and, you know, we, we can't, again, don't grow weary in well-doing. That's what we've been That's saying right. for a long time. Don't grow weary in it. Keep fighting it. Keep up the good work and uh, keep getting more and more of your neighbors engaged. Uh, ben Carpenter, our guest, The Michael Duke Show. Ben, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. It was fun. Folks, we are out of time for today. Tomorrow is another one. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. And to what uh, Jeannie just said, and I agree, Ben, this is part of the problem. She says, the problem, Ben, is so many of us live amongst people who live off the state. And you're right. There's a huge component out there. I mean, we are a, we are a welfare, a dependency state, whether it's social safety net welfare or whether it's corporate welfare. There's a lot of us who are living off the state in one way or the other. But that doesn't abrogate our responsibility to keep fighting it. It makes it tougher. There's no doubt about it. But these are the kind of discussions we need to have, Ben. Absolutely. We cannot fail. We cannot divorce ourselves from the process and expect the process to be something that we are proud of. We have to participate. Final thoughts, Ben, for what we can do to try and help you in the short term and in the long term. Uh, give it to us here, 60 seconds. Yeah, we, we just need better influencers. Leadership is influence. We need better leaders throughout the state. And that's not positional. It is your ability to influence for the direction that you want the state to go grow our influencers and we have better results we got to do what we can do uh and we got to again just keep fighting the fight uh we've got to bring more people to it and we've got to uh we've got to be vocal about it new leadership yes better communication yes i think those are the things that would make it all work out all right uh ben carpenter thank you so much for coming on board i appreciate it see you later Folks, we are out of time. Thanks for coming on board and being part of it today. I appreciate it. Tomorrow, maybe we'll do something a little bit lighter. How about that? That'd be a good thing. Thanks, my friends. We will see you tomorrow.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.